Ladies and gentlemen, this is Book Music with Tosh. And I'm Kimley. And each episode of Book Music, or the main theme of Book Music, is that we focus on books about music of all sorts. It could be a music memoir, biography, autobiography, music history, music something. And today, we are going to focus on Switch on Bach by Roshnik Roshanik, I think. What, how do you pronounce her name? Roshanik Keshti. I think that's how she pronounced it when I saw her online. She would be. She finds. I hard, apologize in advance. She, she'll find this hard to believe that we study that her the videotape. I mean the uh, YouTube that she's <laughs> exactly. on over and over again, and yet we still I still can't pronounce her name, name correctly. So we apologize. <laughs> but on the other hand, a, a very interesting book. Yes. And I tell you, what, I'm sort of taken back because this okay, this is part of the 33 and a third series, right? Uh, and you focus. you failed to mention that the album is by Wendy Carlos. What? The, and this is it's not on the album; it's not on the book cover. I know. Okay, this is very mysterious. Uh, Walter Carlos mm-hmm. came under the name Walter Carlos Switch on Bach, and it was an album I think put out in uh, like 60, 1968, mm-hmm. uh, released by Columbia Records. And um, the actual, oddly enough, I just realized that like 10 minutes before we were doing the show that Walter Carlos or Wendy Carlos, his name is not mentioned on the front cover whatsoever. Yeah. Which is strange. It's no, like, I, I noticed that when I was I, I just looking at now. the cover myself. It is strange. And, even, and, 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 and rightfully so, 33 and a third or the editors are heard doing the proper thing that is mentioned switch on Bach yeah I mentioned who the artist is or the performer is but nevertheless it is is it on the spine is it no no it's not on the spine either although I'm not sure if they always do that they may only put the album album cover cover, title title yeah I'm not sure um I first discovered Walter Wendy Carlos through Clockwork Orange Mm mm-hmm um, which was the soundtrack is just you know it's so it's so powerful mm-hmm. you know like when you first walk in I mean the first scene with the you know the, the, the titles and you yeah. know, the music comes on that's amazing it's like a, a give, it gave me goosebumps when I watched it yeah. I still get goose, a little goosebumpy when I when I first see that first I know I know I just watched it last night with the sole purpose of sort of focusing on the music in the movie because I've seen the movie dozens of times but uh, it is really powerful. I mean, the music is a character in the film. Yeah. Um, and it really drives the plot. Yes, I mean, it does. not only in the obvious reasons with his, you mm-hmm. know, obsession with Beethoven, but yeah. um, all the scenes, even with the music that, that Wendy did, is, it really sort of propels the action and what's going on. And right. it's, I mean, Kubrick always does this with music, it's always such an integral part of his films. So, Huge. Yeah. And so, she did The Shining as well for yes. him. Yeah. Uh, the, the general listener may be confused because we're using two names, Walter and Wendy. Right. It was Walter Carlos during the time of uh, Switch on Bach and uh, Clockwork Orange. Yeah, I looked at the credits because I was curious at the end. It's credited to Walter Carlos. And, on, Car- uh, and Carlos did also parts of the soundtrack to The Shining. Right. So she worked with Kubrick twice. Now, how and, is she credited on The Shining? Because I, I think she had come out at that point. As yeah, being I think I think it's Wendy. Yeah, yeah, transgender. Yeah, um, we she's transgender person. Yes. Um, 
so it's a very you know this reading this book wet my appetite to get more information about Wendy Carlos yeah because not only is she mysterious but she strikes me as probably a very very interesting person I think so too just yeah. on a I mean, it's not just due to the, the the gender issues and stuff. It's just, I mean, that too as well. But that she's such a pioneering person. Mm-hmm. Um, give a little background on her, on her, that far as I know, mm-hmm. from the book and from what I read and studied throughout my life, our <laughs> lives. Um, she, she, she studied electronic music from the very beginning. And she went to the uh, Columbia Princeton Electronic Music Center where she did music mm-hmm. uh, as well as studied it. And I think she got like a PhD or something on, on, on composing yeah. electronic music. Yeah, I can't remember if it was a master's or a PhD, but she got an advanced degree in I'm electronic I'm sure there must have been like music. five people in the class yeah. at the time. <laughs> and this is late 50s, early 60s. I yeah. mean, very pioneering. And I know of the uh, Columbia Princeton Electronic Music Center because like the last three years I've been buying records of of, of, particularly two composers who actually started the program there. Mm. Uh, one is Russian. His name is uh, Vladimir Yukashovskakiski. <laughs> That's beyond apologies. <laughs> that that you may not know that's the true russian pronunciation okay good good yeah i think yeah isn't your family heritage russian yeah so i know i know these things and the other person the other one was otto lewin l-u-e-n-i-n-g and just and vladimir's last name was spelled u-s-s-a-c-h-e-v-s-k-y okay in case anybody wants to argue about my pronunciation we are going to get cards and letters, no doubt. <laughs> Definitely. And um, so I was very attracted. I was curious reading about the school, you know, because yeah. these guys are from Russia. or I'm not sure Otto Lewin is. I think he's German, perhaps. Mm. But nevertheless, uh, they both found themselves at the Columbia Princeton, you know, school. Right. Where they started up this lab, sound lab, teaching and stuff like that. And I think at the time in New York City, they had, it was probably the only place one had access to electronic I'm guessing it's probably one of the few places in the world because they had quite an international group of students yeah so and um I like both those composers music a lot Mm -hmm. and one of the realizations when I heard it is like you know basically the sound is not I mean it's electronic but it's also very much like music concrete Mm -hmm. and music concrete is what started basically in France Mm -hmm. and it's Generally, it's music made by uh, outside of music. It could be like uh, uh, um, uh, landscape noise, environmental noise. It's mm-hmm. noise, but it's then filtered uh, through splicing through tapes, recording techniques, right. echo effects, and you're actually making sort of like an instrument in itself. Right. It's almost and like a collage technique. It's a collage technique. And these two did stuff like with full orchestra mm-hmm. or strings. But what they did, they filtered the instrumentation through electronic means. Mm-hmm. And sort of similar to what Brian Eno is famous for, like in Roxy Music, like right. doing stuff on the guitar and the sax and flute. Mm-hmm. They did the same thing, mm-hmm. but in the 50s. Mm-hmm. So they would, they would, you know, might be straight ahead orchestration, like real instruments, but like a flute and maybe the violin would be altered by electronically. And yeah. it's really noticeable. It's not like really subtle. Right. Well, but, what's the point of doing it subtly? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but this is where um, um, 
Walter Carlos had his training at that time. Yeah. And he, and as mentioned in the book, as well as that we saw a video, we saw a YouTube lecture yeah. by the author, where um, it mentions that um, Carlos felt that music should be more accessible. Right. Not a very, not a very avant-garde minded person. No. It seems like, seems like wants to go for the masses or mm-hmm. people have a more emotional attachment to the music yeah. than say um, avant-garde or, or, or thinking about right. it or you know sort of this cold image that the avant-garde yeah. has sometimes which yeah. I do not share at all I, right. I disagree with that mm-hmm. but uh, this is uh, Carlos's background so um, it's just fascinating that it, then then Carlos became friends with uh, Robert Moog Mm-hmm. Who, of course, invented the Moog synthesizer? Right. Not the first synthesizer, but the first synthesizer you can take home, maybe like a portable. Yeah, or the, the first know. one that people started really knowing about. Right. Yeah. And using. So they worked together, and I think what Carlos added to Moog, like Moog had the hard science, but yeah. but I think Carlos said, well, maybe we should have a keyboard. It'd be easier if you have a keyboard. Right. right? Well, and she it, also was um, instrumental in. Uh, getting him to make it very touch sensitive and that was mm. what allowed her to get the uh, it, I, the book talks about how I, you know she was so influential in making him develop it further and further and I think the touch sensitivity was one of the main things and that was at, at that point when he finally got it to be that way that was what may, allowed her to be able to do the Bach the right. switched on Bach album because I don't think it was possible before I, then I suspect if there's no Wendy Carlos there would be no Keith Emerson of Emerson Lake and Palmer um, okay. No Rick Wakeman. <laughs> this is not going in a good direction, in my opinion. <laughs> then let's put it. Let's put it back in more interesting. Yeah, yeah. How about no Eno, uh, no Stereo Lab. <laughs> Stereo Lab. That's true. There's always the dark side of everything. Yes, of course. Technology. Well, that, that's yeah. That's the interesting thing is a lot of this technology. She goes in in the book about how the theremin and uh, synthesizers were first developed for the defense industries. Yeah. So, that I was mean, very interesting. I didn't realize yeah, that. It I makes didn't perfect either. sense. Because the thermon, I guess, would be a way of, if, a, if a missile or somebody coming right. at you, it, make, it right. makes a noise. It detects sounds from and, a distance or whatever. And yeah. um, Leon Thurman, which the Thurman is named after because he right. invented it, uh, he also thought of it as all of a sudden as an instrument, like a music right. instrument. Right, yeah. I think he was the one who, as he was developing, he realized that it had a musical possibility. And it's interesting how the author um, brings up the fact that she sort of brings up with the feminine aspect of electronic music. Yeah. That many of the Thurman players were women, right. which is true. And a lot of and women. The were synthesizer players synthesizer as well. Synthesizer as well. Yeah. And for my ears and my particular culture and sensibility, I do think electronic music or synthesizers and Thurman as a very feminine sounding hmm. um, instrument. Hmm. Uh, we have a, in the background, we have an example of a Thurman. <laughs> <laughs> we do not have a Faraday box around our recording no. studio. <laughs> yeah. But um, I thought it was a really interesting commentary. Um, Keshiti, Keshiti makes yeah, about, yeah. Uh, you know, her being queer, yeah, and then and and has a her book has a strong queer aesthetic or queer theory behind yeah, the whole yeah. uh, this book on on switch on Bach, yeah. which makes the book extra in, more extra interesting to me. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I think one of the big things that she talks about when she's in the beginning of the book, she says, um, you know, she's talking about what happens when 
the marginalized becomes mainstream. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I think, a big part of the focus is, you know, people um, really didn't like the idea of this sort of artificial music. That's how right. the people saw it at first. They said that it lacked a certain, uh, which he calls liveness. And, um, you know, it's interesting how this record became like one of the best-selling classical music records of all time. I think it still is the best-selling yeah, classical album of all time. Yeah, quite possibly, quite possibly. So she really gets into that, which I found super interesting, you know, talking about this idea of what's artificial. And she gets into how um, this idea of what we think of being as, uh, artificial and not having this quality of liveness is very subjective because she says when the first synthesizers came out, people were saying, oh, well, it doesn't sound as good as a real piano. Right. And then when digital synthesizers came out, and at that point people were already used to analog synthesizers, mm -hmm. they were complaining that the digital synthesizer didn't sound as good as the analog synthesizers. Right. So it's I thought that was super interesting that, you know, it's it's like any technology. It's like in the beginning, there's always people who are going to poo-poo it, no matter how great it might yes. be. And then eventually people just get so used to it, it becomes part of our everyday yeah. uh, language and our lives. And, and so, you know, so, you know, uh, Wendy Carlos is, you know, she's interesting because she's pioneering musically. She's pioneering as a transgender person. She was one of the first public mm -hmm. figures to come out as having a, a, a gender reassignment operation and... Um, so she's so she's really a fascinating person, and at the same time, she has this kind of mystique because she doesn't uh, she's not in the public eye very much. No, but she has this crazed, detailed website that she. But did she in hasn't updated it in for quite many years. a while. Yeah. But still yeah. up there. But it, it's still up there. It does have a lot of information. Yeah. She's an award-winning eclipse photographer as yes, well. That's her hobby. Or yeah, hobby, she travels all over uh, the world uh, to photograph eclipses and. Uh, so yeah, she's a very interesting person for sure. But reclusive to the mainstream audience, meaning yeah. like I'm, I, I suspect that she has a full, exciting life. Yeah. But for, but for the uh, her audience and fans and uh, listeners, yeah, she doesn't pop up in the media that much or no, not. No, and even at the height of her popularity, she always, you know, in the book she talks about how um, for a long time. She would go to meetings and do public interviews, like the Dick Cavett show, mm. or whenever she met with Kubrick, she would dress as a man. Yeah, that always threw me off. Yeah, uh, well, that's, that's interesting. Just, just saying that, but because uh, I've seen photographs of Walter, quote uh -huh. unquote, this before I knew the Wendy. Yeah. You know, and, and I thought, what a strange looking gentleman, you know, because, mm. I mean, at the time, I didn't see, I very rarely see men with like eyeliner, you know. Oh, that's yeah, interesting. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and, and everything looked right. like not real, hmm. but a beautiful face. She has a beautiful face. Uh huh. And, um, and I never, I, I first heard of Carlos when I was a teenager. Uh huh. And I didn't, was aware of Switch on Bach as a yeah. kid because it was a very famous record. I didn't right. buy it. Right. You know, but I, I, when it came out, it definitely made a huge. Yeah, I, re I somewhat remember it as a small yeah. child. It was like yeah. the first like promotion. Like here's a classical record that's good for the rock generation. Right. You know, sold to the rock and roll people. Right. Huh. And '68 was a very open year because a lot of stuff. I mean, amazingly, a lot of stuff was happening. Right. In rock music or pop music at the time. Yeah. So there's another aspect of something interesting that people were open to. Yeah. And um, but I. I, when you look, I mean, you can see pictures online of Carlos, and yeah. it, and it, it, it's it's interesting that she posed as a male to see Kubrick. Yeah, you know, it must have been a, 
I, I don't know how that works really, you know, yeah. but, but it's interesting. Um, um, you know, the whole issue of identity and, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. She gets into that a lot. It is really fascinating. And I mean, I guess back then, especially, you know, in the film industry is very male dominated. Um, I, I'm guessing she just felt that, you know, that was the way to just make everybody more comfortable, that people wouldn't be comfortable with a female composer. Yeah. Um, which is sad, but probably the reality of the era, you know. Right. So she finally, and it's, I thought it was really interesting that she finally came out as being trans in a Playboy article. Right. So it's funny. I, people kind of forget that Playboy was, it was such a weird publication because on the one hand it was just, you know, all these pictures of naked women and objectifying women, but on the other t- on the other hand, they did have amazing writers write for the magazine and well, they had, amazing articles. They had amazing interviews. Yeah, you know, like the, the you know the interviews were um, were very interesting. Yeah, um, not only because of the personalities, but usually the questions are more high ended yeah. or more intelligent. Although, from what I gather, the the interviewer that interviewed her was rather ignorant about the trans. Uh, People. Well, he, she, he we, was ac- asking homophobic and and. Well, for sure, she hates that interview. Yeah, yeah. She, and that's maybe one of the reasons why I haven't read it, but I haven't either. But it's one of the reasons I presume why she doesn't do much media yeah, yeah. or interviewing with people face to face or even in media. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's a very tight world that she lived in or worked in because her, her her partner in crime or her right or left hand person was a was a woman by the name of. Uh, Rachel Elkind, who mm-hmm. was listed as the producer right. of the records, of her records, right. including Clockwork Orange and The Shining. And, um, but I suspect that, um, that she was a really huge presence in, um, in Carlo's work. Yeah, it's funny because the whole time I was reading the book, I just assumed that that was her significant other. Mm-hmm. And then uh, all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, then Rachel moved away with her husband. I was like, oh, okay. So <laughs> they were just working partners, I guess. Or Well, who knows? <laughs> I, I think it's a very complex world. It me. is a complex world. And it's really none of our business anyway, I no. guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yet. <laughs> Yet everybody surmises and makes assumptions. It's terrible. But I know. find her very interesting as well, yeah. Rachel Eklund, because she was uh, the, like the secretary for a guy named Goddard Lieberson, who was the president of Columbia Records. Uh-huh. So under her influence, and not putting this you know, in a negative context, she got, you know, she, she, she got um, Carlos a record deal. Yeah. You know, and for both of them, they had nobody looking over them. Like they had full, they could take as long as they want. Right. I don't think anybody thought it was going to explode the way it did. No. Yeah. But, you know, to do what they did, especially like the Bach recording, it's like they had to do one note at a time. Yeah, it you took know. forever. Yeah, it's not like somebody on the keyboard doing do right. you know, it's like they it's a it's this time analog yeah. of doing one note at a time and then you know doing like a collage, I guess, yeah. at, you know, yeah, it's editing it afterwards. Yeah. So you have to know a lot about Bach. Yeah. And um Carlos worked with like oh I put the record away, but Carlos did work with like a Bach expert, expert yeah. Mm. Um and another thing I don't you know, I looked at like Wikipedia, which is not always correct. Right. You know? And but I I don't know her full music background, like what her her music history is. Mm-hmm. Do you know? I mean, do you know? Does she have a classical background even? Um, I think so. Yeah. Besides the composition and I mean, well, yeah. I mean, she went to music school. Right. Yeah. 
that, uh, I mean, I don't know how young she started. Right. Or, um, yeah, actually, I think there was something on Wikipedia about her win, winning some composition comp- contest as a teenager, perhaps. I can't recall now. Yeah. But, yeah, I think she was musical from a very young age. Yeah. But she's... Um, but the whole process of, of, um, of them working together to make this, uh, which really is a remarkable record, you know, the switch on Bach. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not a novelty record. You know, when I first was a yeah, kid... Yeah, that's how I saw it as a kid. I just thought it... And it was funny because I haven't... I didn't know anything about Winnie Carlos, and you were the one that wanted to do this book, and I was yeah. like, oh, I don't I don't know anything about her. And then you said, well, she did Clockwork Orange. I was like, oh, okay, well, I know I like that music. <laughs> <laughs> but, she, but also, in the book, they pointed out that there was a lot of novelty recordings of synthesized music. Yeah. You know, like yeah. country and western synthesizers. Well, there was tons of, like, copycats yeah. after this was yeah. so huge. And and eventually, the synthesizers became more accessible, slightly more affordable, more and more people were using them. And, yeah, it's amazing. And it's really interesting to me is that this record is now almost impossible to find. I mean, you can find it used. But it, it looked like it was still it was kind of pricey to get the original '68 version, and um, you you can't go in Amoeba or any big store. No, has new you can't buy, find it to download uh, or stream anywhere. You can't find a new album, it. and really you true. cannot find it on YouTube where you can find almost anything, even if it's not available anymore. So uh, somebody in her team has taken that stuff down right away. Yeah, uh, it seems like Carlos or whoever's responsible, yeah. I presume it's Carlos, yeah. even the Clockwork Orange soundtrack. Yeah, is not, you can't around. find any of it. I was really surprised because I hadn't heard any of it since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You played it for me before this show. You have a copy of it. But. I, I have a copy of the Switch on Bach. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but it, yeah, it's interesting that that music is not available. Yeah, I mean, considering how popular it is, mm-hmm. you know, and... But there was something on her website, and I'm guessing it was up there. It's been up there for years because she says she her distribution deal came to an end, and because um, she has a page on her website where you can buy all of her recordings, um, but then you click on it and it's like no longer available, you know. Right. And um, so she does have a little notice though that says her distribution deal got. So that's another mystery. Why isn't this? Music yeah, not I mean, you would think there would be somebody who would be more than happy to start making money off of this and it's like is, is she the one yeah I think it's her for some reason um, but why wouldn't she want her music out there I mean, that seems so odd I got a sense that she's a control freak I mean, especially since she was selling it on her website before there's certain people and it's like totally like left field I mean nothing yeah. really to but uh, Dave Clark of Dave Clark 5 uh-huh. who owns the masters of his records of Dave Clark 5 uh-huh. and he, to this day, pretty much refused to reissue the albums and the really? music. Once in a while, he does like a, a compilation best of, that, uh-huh. you know, they go out of print right away and that's yeah, it. That's and it. Um, I don't know if it's like a, a business money making that this works, this concept. Ah, all right, because it's so collectible. Well, it's huh. not true, though. I mean, like for Dave Clark 5, you go to a record store, you see a lot of Dave Clark 5 original albums used yeah, yeah not, not expensive right not hard to so find. it seems like he sort of undermines his yeah. catalog to me huh. in a very strange way yeah i mean i well you know i don't know i feel like if that was me i would want it out there but well you're not that's why i'm not yeah that's, that's why i'm not wendy carlos or dave clark or dave <laughs> the genius clark of uh, wendy carlos <laughs> and dave clark <laughs> but it is strange that it's not yet yeah, you can't get it streaming you can't get yeah anything. i was shocked i was really shocked I don't know. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> you got to hit the used records, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's so many 
um, it was it sold so well. I mean, it was like over a million of copies or something. I'm I'm guessing if I looked to find a used copy, it might not be too hard to find. I don't know. No, it's not. Uh, you have to look. Yeah. I look on dis, I look Discogs, Discogs. On the website. You can yeah. find it. But, you know, yeah. it's, not, it's not zillions are out there. Yeah. Huh. And, and and you know, all my friends are into like um, uh, electronic music. Winnie yeah. Carlos is it. Yeah. Well, it was just interesting because the writer talks about how she initially got into it, and she said she was at a Stereo Lab show, and uh-huh. I love Stereo. I'm uh-huh. a huge Stereo Lab fan, mm-hmm. and so I was, I was like, oh yeah, you know, it's like you don't even think about. I mean, like you know, like I said, I'm not. I didn't really know anything about Wendy Carlos. You know, I just, I knew the music from Clockwork Orange, obviously, but um, it's clear that you know her influence was huge, and obviously people like Brian Eno, and you know, it's just. Um, it's kind of amazing when there's these groundbreaking people who maybe you're not aware of, and she's definitely a groundbreaking person. Yeah, and again, her music is totally accessible. Yeah, it's not experimental music. No. You know, so that, you know, it's electronic music, but not not um, not noise music. Right. Well, I almost feel like that's part of what she was trying to do was she wanted to make synthesizers more accessible, and so that was why she chose something like Bach. I mean, it was interesting. The author was talking about all these Bach revivals throughout history. Yeah. You know, like she said, there was one sort of in the late, uh, I think, 19th century when uh, the piano started to become a common instrument in middle class yeah. homes. And and then again, around the time that uh, Carlos did this recording. Yeah, because Bach had a revival in the 19th century, right? Uh-huh. That's what she's talking about. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. And then it, the boxer came back, in the, I think through Glenn Gould. Glenn, Glenn Gould. I was just going to say, yeah. I'll bet that's why, yeah. <laughs> and Glenn Gould seemed to admire um, Switch On Bach album. Yeah, yeah. There was something about him saying that he admired it. Yeah, which is, that's the ultimate stamp of approval. <laughs> I mean, man. <laughs> well, he's the type of guy who always likes something new. Yeah. And he loves technology. Yeah. He would. I mean, he loved digital. Did he? Yeah, he was uh, crazy. But he just didn't work. He, he getting off the subject, but he just sort of focused. He liked the idea that you can record something and then edit it afterwards. You right. Know what you don't like. Right. Because right. usually when you think of music, especially classical music, you're thinking the performance. Right. And and probably same thing with with um, Carlos. It's mm-hmm. like you know you can alter it in the studio. You know it's yeah. not a live thing. Yeah. You know it's a it's a it's it's a it's a totally recording. Yeah. Well, she has ag- a big chunk of the book. She talks about how you know that was another part of why a lot of critics didn't respect the Switched on Bach because it couldn't be performed live. Yeah. See that that's um, prejudice. Yeah. So I mean I thought that was interesting. You know that again it come back it comes back to that anti-technology attitude. And, and she talked a lot about, you know, how people are often afraid of technology replacing human beings. Right. And so that also fed into that fear of, you know, this is not something that can be done live. It's not human sounding. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, so there was a big disrespect in that regard. Oh, and she's also one of the first people to use the decoder, which is the a vocoder. voice synthesizer. Yeah, yeah. And I believe it's uh, it's um, Rachel Elkine whose voice is used in, 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 oh, in, in those recordings. Yeah, because she went to New York originally. She was born in San Francisco, lived in San Francisco. Rachel? She, yeah, okay. she came to New York to be a jazz singer. Oh, hmm. And then she ended up becoming, you know, a secretary for the main guy at Columbia Records. Right. Yeah, and then, you know, and then her whole career with... The um, rest is history. Yeah, with Carlos. <laughs> well, this book is really a fascinating book. Yeah, highly recommend this it, book. It, it, she, uh, the, the author is academic. Yes. 
and it is it does go into sort of academic writing, you know. Yeah, it's very theory. It's theory, know. but it's um, but her subject matter is so. It's very accessible theory. Yeah, it's very accessible and it's very very interesting. Yeah, very well written, very smart, very interesting. I I knew nothing about Wendy Carlos, and you know I just barely remembered this record, but I loved the book. I I found it to be very fascinating. So this again this is part of the thirty three and a third series where they where they, they each each book each title focused on one album by one artist, mm-hmm. and different authors comment on on that album. And this is uh, Roshak. Roshanak Keshti. Keshti. I think. <laughs> Forgive us if we mispronounced I know. <laughs> and but we Car- loved the book. <laughs> and, w- and Wendy Carlos, forgive us for yeah. the same you. <laughs> and, um, and her book on Switch on Bach is really, really good. And yeah. I recommend this uh, book definitely for anybody who's into synthesized music. Stereo, you know, labs, of course, right. bands. Yeah. But anybody who's into the concept of um, of the the concept of recording, and again, of the issue of live music, recorded yeah. music. Yeah. This book sort of covers it as well as uh, gender and uh, queer issues yeah. involved. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. So who's our next adventure? All right. Today? Our next podcast is very exciting. We're going to be having our first guest which I'm super excited about, right? We're confirmed on that? We are, we are confirmed. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's going to get himself into. Though. Uh-oh. <laughs> Andrew Lambert. Yes, and we are going to be discussing a book that he's just co-edited. Edited. Co-edited, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, Tony Conrad Writings. Tony Conrad is a incredible filmmaker, amazing composer, once a member of the Velvet Underground, a very yes. early member of Velvet Underground. And probably one of the great minds of the 20th and 21st century, who's no longer with us. But we do have this books of writings. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be new for me again. So I'm very excited. All right. So um, thank you for listening. And you can uh, come and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And um, we have playlists. I'm not quite sure what we're going to have for the playlist for the Wendy Carlos because none of it's available. <laughs> we may we not, will have something interesting. Yeah, for sure. I don't. I don't know. If we. I don't. Technically, I don't know if we can do a, a really. I mean, we'll do uh, influential. Uh, maybe we do influential, some other kind of but, 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 uh, we, Moog and synthesizer. But there's music. no. Literally, there's no. No, Carl, there's nothing available. Wendy Carlos music yeah, online or, no. or stuff like that. No, but we'll still put something interesting. We're thinking about me and Kimley humming pieces and clockwork orange <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening to us thank and we'll, you and we'll see you uh, very shortly take care bye-bye bye bye